Welcome back to Box to Box. It's Reza and Alex. What's up, Alex? Hello. We have a guest. Yes, we do. In studio for, for the first, first time. time. And by studio, we mean my of course, room. I mean your bedroom. Uh, it's Timzy. Hello. What's up? Hello. You right, guys? Good. How are yeah. you? I'm all right. I'm very privileged to be the first person. You're the first in studio guest. I don't know why you haven't had more because it's a great bedroom. You oh, don't. Thank you. You don't see. St- we're calling it a studio. You don't see studios oh, sorry, like yeah. this anymore. Yeah. No, there's no noise cancelling in here. No, it's pretty yeah, quiet anyway. That's no, great. It's great. Uh, but you will get the occasional ambulance, and then you get like construction, construction jackhammers. Just Manhattan. Though, it's just it? Manhattan. Every every corner is always on a on a construction. That's what I love about the city. It's cool. Well, uh, not the ambulances, but the yeah, yeah. it's always very alive. Yeah, <laughs> just put it that way. Uh, what brings you to New York? Uh, so I'm running the marathon. So on Sunday, yeah. So which is now, as of recording, two days. If oh, you're allowed, if, if I don't know when this is going out, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, the marathon on Sunday. So I'm yeah, it's always that. it's always the first Sunday of November. Yeah, it's, it's so hectic every time. Yeah, it just blocks there. off the entire city. It's weird. I've I've been here. For this I've basically been in New York around this time, like Halloween, and for the New York marathon. This is my fourth year in a row now. Oh, and wow. sort of yeah, weird how it's kind of transpired. The first year was just pure coincidence, and I just wanted to go on holiday. This was the first time. We went to New York with my, my family. And then year after, that was for the marathon. Year after that, which was last year, holiday. And now it's marathon again. So little nice. kind of binary tradition. How many miles is it? Uh, 26.2. So it's quite Whoa. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, wait, is it? It's across like all five boroughs? Yeah. So it's five all five boroughs. So like it starts on, technically it starts in Staten Island, which is... <laughs> A long way away. Yeah. <laughs> you have to but take it, the ferry. It, it, New Yorkers even... don't go to Staten Island. <laughs> well, well the, this is the, I feel a bit bad. For, uh, I mean, I literally don't know anything about Staten Island. But it says it starts there, but it literally starts on the bridge leaving Staten Island. So you probably take about 10 paces on Staten Island and then you're gone. Nice. So, I mean, technically, yeah, I guess it visits all five boroughs, but it only really visits four. So. Uh, well, we wish you the best enough. of luck. Thank you, man. Um, so I want to start about uh, a team, mm. a team that always starts the season top of the league, yeah, <laughs> and then usually alphabetically. alphabetically, and then usually ends up like five, six places down. Well, technically, is it not AFC Bournemouth now? S- see, sometimes oh. they make it. So FIFA it says Bournemouth because they're second, but in AFC. the Premier League table it says AFC Bournemouth. But yeah, I get it. Okay, Arsenal. Yes, let's talk about, <laughs> let's Arsenal. Talk about Arsenal. So. Uh, I think I, I'm gonna, I'm going to step back a half a step <laughs> and then I'll chime in where I think it makes sense. All right. So obviously there's the controversy behind Xhaka yes. and Emery and the fans that happened over the uh Crystal Palace game. Mm. So what are your takes on it because I personally think both sides are on the wrong. Um yeah, this is a weird case where I I agree where there there is no right side to be on yeah and there there are in my opinion there's a more i mean no in my opinion there's a less wrong side to be on right but there is no right side yeah they are both in the wrong i just think that it's so weird because this has actually happened like a couple times mm. for arsenal uh yeah th- it actually happened over preseason with mustafi yes when, when they were in this st- when we were in, in the states, in the states and there in, are a couple people LA. when he got subbed in people were booing him yes uh, but then it sort of just died down and he's sort of been dropped. But then uh, like a, over like a decade ago with Abue, mm-hmm. um when he got booed. But he didn't react the way Xhaka did. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit different because I feel like with Abue, 
I mean, yeah, there, there, there's obviously the previous here with, with Arsenal fans. It's not, I say Arsenal fans, it's not all Arsenal fans. Like Naturally, like every fan base of every club, there are more ardent supporters where they make their feelings a bit more known and then there yeah. are kind of more, you know, at-home sofa TV watching fans, which are fine as well. But, you know, every fan base has their own kind of sections. And, yeah, it just so happens that, you know, the, the, the Arsenal fans have... Uh, that cri- have criticised Shaka have also done it on you know previous occasions you know with Ebue and it, uh, yeah as I said it was a little bit different with Ebue, um just because I feel like Shaka is kind of in a prolonged uh, episode uh, where he's not really been a favourable figure amongst a lot of Arsenal fans not necessarily all his own fault it's been sort of he's been I said before on my kind of like my YouTube video as well like he's he's like a victim of circumstance as well as you know just not Technically, I guess, being good enough to really be like one of our main midfielders and be a captain of Arsenal Football Club. So. I think the reason why he was chosen, cat. like, do you believe that the players chose him? Because there's yes. some people, yeah, I, I think so too, because uh, uh, there were like reports that said like a few players actually went to his house and see if he was okay. Mm. Um, but I think you'd do that anyway, whether it was, if it, for example, Abue. Abue was nowhere near being captain. He's not captain material, but he was... For a time, uh, a key part of the first team. Yeah, for and then sure. at the time when he got booed, he wasn't a key part of the first team. But even if that happened, to, well, it did happen to him. Uh, I'm sure players would have consoled him and gone to his house if it was that bad. I feel like the Shaka incident was worse. Um, oh, yeah. Partly because, as I said, the ill feeling is a bit more prolonged. And equally, the, the, the feeling around the club is very different to how it was when uh, the Abui incident happened. I feel like because... Uh, people, I think it has to go down to Emery as well, unfortunately, because I think he's more and more on the hot seat uh, with like his decision making and him not being able to keep leads. Well, yeah, but I don't know if that's down to him always putting in Jaka in the lineup. Uh, it, the two are sort of like linked. Where I mean, yeah, you start talking about Shaka. So with Shaka, I feel like he has been. You know, a lot of people have been saying, I think correctly, that he's become sort of like a lightning rod for. Ultimately, which is which is people's disappointment and uh, dissatisfaction with Arsenal under Emery, mm-hmm. and they're using Shaka as a sort of scapegoat. Well, yeah, he's been a scapegoat for for longer than that anyway. Yeah. even with Arsene Wenger, um, but it's just more it's concentrated so much now, where the ill feeling around the club, and it's just they f- they needed somewhere to focus their negative energy, and and it's come in a very kind of well-packaged Shaka type figure. Um, and yeah, so it's a weird one with Shaka because I do think that he was chosen by the players as a captain because he, there is a lot about him which suits being a captain. There is a lot about him has character, like apart from, okay, so this incident is, is unprofessional and um, kind of overly emotional, but equally there have been a lot of occasions where he's shown very good temperament and I think uh, a strong head and uh, good leadership on the pitch. Now, a lot of people compare that to Vieira back in the day, Tony Adams, who could have led, they could lead in terms of their attitude and the sort of the, the weight of their presence, but equally the, how good they were on the pitch. They were unbelievable yeah. players. And Shaka isn't, I say lucky enough, but he is not blessed with that same ability, but he is still there putting his head kind of, you know, above the water and, 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 showing that look, I'm not going to shy away. And that's the one thing I think uh, you can definitely give Shaka is that he doesn't shy away. That, you know, to his detriment on the pitch, you know, when he d- when he d- 
does receive it. He's not that sort of player who can, you know, take an unbelievable touch, turn out and beat a player. And then, you know, he's not a very press resistant midfielder, which it needs to be, yeah. especially at Arsenal, which relies a lot on kind of midfielders being our main kind of players. Um, so he's still taken on that responsibility. Well, that's weird. That's my that's my <laughs> Apple Watch. I don't know why I said that. Right, that's... You know what? I'll turn you off one sec. Sorry, guys. Um, how do I turn... Look, I am... Okay, here we go. Air paint. There we go. Right, it's on. Okay, so uh, I've totally forgot what I was saying then. Uh, yeah, so with Shaka, it's, he's taken that responsibility despite not being enough of a good player. He's a good player. I think he's a underrated player he, he, for, for large parts. I, I, I thought so too um, last season, but he always makes those like crucial mistakes that cost us points. I, I, I have... Compared to other Arsenal fans, I have backed him for a very long time, mm-hmm. especially last season. I thought him and Torreira were a really good partnership, mm-hmm. but now I think I think it should be Guendouzi and Torreira. But with Jaka, I think he's not being played in the right position because he's sort of being played as like the deepest midfielder. Yeah, well, I feel like he can be that player, and I think that that is his best position. But it's just heavily dependent on who he plays with. Um, which is sort it's not ideal because they should be good enough to play that position no matter who's playing next to them. They should be that good. Mm-hmm. Um and Shaka isn't quite at that level. But uh I think for him, he that is his normal position, that's his best position, that's where he plays best. But the person next to him needs to be of a very good level so to alleviate a lot of the pressure that he seems to just get that he needs to take kind of full responsibility for. So being the guy who is the first person to receive the ball from the defence, the player that makes sure defensively we're very well structured when when we get hit on the break. Equally, he's the one who starts a lot of moves. So there's a lot of responsibility there even for the best of players. Some of them do it really well. He doesn't do it as well. And because of the way Arsenal is set up, and this is the whole thing, as I was saying earlier, about him being kind of a lightning rod for Emery, is that the way Emery's Arsenal is set up is not as, I guess, effective or fluid uh, as previous Arsenal sides have been. So there is a lot more pressure on us to uh, basically play good football and uh, a lot of that comes from our the base of our midfield. So there's a lot more responsibility on Shaka right now. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, like a lot of people, both on side of Arsenal fans and just like pundits, they've said that our defense has always been a problem. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's always started off with our midfield just not tracking back. But, but I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's the problem. But at the same time, I, I watched one game this season. It was against uh, Frankfurt away and we won 3-0. Mm. And Jaco is probably our best player yeah. along with Saka. Mm. And I just, I, when I saw that, I just said, he's not right for the Premier League. I think... Bundesliga is where he would shine because it was at a Bundesliga stadium. You yeah, know? but equally, I think we've played... It's sort of no surprise that we've played our best football in the Europa League with not our first team. Uh, that is both a thing of not playing the full first eleven that you would kind of expect or that mm. people want. And equally, it's not the same level and the same pressure as the Premier League. So the Premier League, it's not there is no easy game, um, particularly when like clubs and players play against Arsenal they feel like they can yeah. grab something it's sort of like a self-perpetuating like cycle and equally that with the players I think the way that, that Emery is, d- is doing things there is 
there have been improvements that I, I've noticed with Emery or that I think there's been with Emery. But equally, there is that there have been some things that are now lacking and that in it kind of comes to fruition when the first team are playing because I feel like it's not it's nowhere near as fluid and it's a bit too disjointed for how good the players are. Yeah. Um, which is why a lot of people would play uh, begging for Ozil to come back to give us some more fluidity and a bit more creativity. But equally that sort of all those problems I think go away in the in the Europa League. Um not all of them, but a lot of them where you're playing kids who are playing with a lot more freedom. They're not bogged down by the same sort of pressure from the fans and the expectation. They're just there. They're look with Europa League. We don't. They're fighting I, for I a feel, first team place. Yeah, they're sort of they're, they're they're possibly more up for it, but equally, it's I think it's more the fact that they just have freedom, freedom of responsibility, freedom of pressure, and equally, there's with the Europa League. I don't think as a club we're massively fussed with it, just because to win it is tough yeah and equally you can get to the final and then as, as everyone knows anything can happen whereas if you can prove yourself over a season i think that's when you you care a lot more and, and that is a better proof of whether you deserve to be in the champions league and i think that's where we're focused more on yeah i mean just which, you, which is for me i, I agree with I you just don't be. know what's going to happen i mean like with last season like when we made when we beat valencia mm. uh, and we went up against chelsea and chelsea was having all those problems with sorry at the like the day before with um like training, he was mm-hmm. like throwing his hat or whatever. Everyone was injured, and yeah, yeah and I, I, like, I'm some, I'm a lot of the times I'm not confident going mm. into Arsenal games. Me neither. Even even you wouldn't with, be an Arsenal fan <laughs> if you were confident. <laughs> even with against like like uh, like I told Reza this uh, before. Um, I think it was after the United game when we drew one one. I'm like. I'm nervous against Sheffield because their defense is insane. Of course, yeah. And same, same as yeah. And we can't break really the play. lines a, a lot of the times. But yeah. with Chelsea, like I was so confident. We were uh, Oba and Laka were scoring, were misplaced, and then it just fell apart. Yeah, and, and it wasn't. You'll never expect it, it coming. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's especially in the final. You never know what you're going to expect, and, right. and like Arsenal. The, to be fair, our, our our record in a lot of finals over the last five years has been. Pretty good. Yeah, three FA Cups um, in a row. Yeah, exactly. And, and equally, you know, the the was it the Community Shields and, and especially our record at Wembley is very good, apart from the Carabao Cup against Man City. City yeah. So, you know, our, our, our final record recently has, has been decent. And I think, but I just think going into, I think that meant so much. Everyone knew how much that meant. So you were either going to get a really good Arsenal and we were going to win 3-0, 3-1, or you were going to get that Arsenal and we just got torn to shreds and that was it. Do you think there's a um I'm back by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you have been here. You yeah, just I have been, been like I have been out. here. Just been checking my phone, taking some sips of water. <laughs> um do you think there's a a direction like this looking how like Chelsea set up themselves this season, mm. United has with a couple seasons in Arsenal, like with Saka and all these young players coming yeah. in. Do you would you like to see Arsenal go down that same path or like there's always because there's always the thing of like Arsenal's not investing enough money or they're mm. not but if you have young players that can fill those positions not maybe so, all of them defensively but is that a direction you think Arsenal should take more seriously you say you say direction as in playing younger players playing younger players more consistently in bigger games not just like um, for the Europa League games but y- like well well yes especially when you're not playing as well with what you kind of consider your more experienced first eleven yeah. Um, but I think that's always the case. I think that's always it's been something that that Arsene Wenger has stuck to, um, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans, especially around my age, have sort of grown up with. Um, it's like bleeding through a lot of like youth and seeing that pay off is ultimately 
far more uh, satisfying than just you know buying someone as as happy as I was that we got Pepe and yeah. all that sort of stuff and that spending money like seeing a youth product come through and play well for the first team I think is ultimately the, the a goal for every club um, and seeing Chelsea Chelsea's been sort of as as good as Lampard has been I think he's done well mm-hmm. uh, he this season has been it's been a gamble it was a gamble this season and it's a gamble that's paid off and that they've been lucky that they've been uh, sort of given a hand that they had to play at the beginning of the season anyway I mean, it was, was a, it was a gamble that they didn't have much of a choice for. Well, it, no, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. As in, like, it, it's a gamble that they had to take right. because when you're dealt, when you have, when you've taken a manager who's never really managed at the top level, but all the fans love him, he knows the club inside out. They had to do that, yeah. and it was just a, it was a win-win. It's like, look, no one's expecting this to work out. If it does, great. Same thing as their their transfer ban. Like, this is this is horrible. They've spent the last ten years buying loads of players. And to be fair, winning a lot, and this is the first time we can't actually buy players, and we've just lost Eden Hazard. So that was another one where we can't do anything but accept and move on with this. And all of it sort of worked out, or it seems to be working out at the moment. Like you never know; they could, you know, Lampard finally gets found out in the second half of the season, and then they finish outside the top four, and you know they finish in the Europa League, whatever. But like it seems like at the moment, all of it's paying off. Is the fact that everyone loves Lampard. Lampard's playing the kids because he has to and equally because I think he knows is he knows that that's the best thing to do for him is that it's it's a free hit this season it's it's it doesn't matter if he does badly because everyone was expecting him to do yeah, that and no he's done pretty well so uh, of course I'd like us to do that more and that's why I think the Europa League for us has been like a breath of fresh air like seeing players like Emil, Saka and those sorts of players come through Martinelli obviously is doing unbelievably so of course I'd like to see that but equally it shouldn't really be a hard ask to have a first team that is mixed you know our, our, our first team experienced players who everyone knows are the better players but equally threading in the youth where we feel like we can um, and then especially in these not so kind of pressurised competitions playing more youth and I think it's what we've been doing but I think we should probably do a little bit more Yeah. No, I know for United it's been like the last couple of years have been so it's been, it's been so it. frustrating because and we've also i mean our, i mean the, the majority of our team is built around like academy products and like you look at even mctominay who this year is now finally yeah becoming who, like the player who was absolutely poo well every i think everyone <laughs> <laughs> everyone kind of did I'll be honest yeah um i don't think no, he was me he wrong. was doing he wasn't doing much but now he's really showing to be like and everyone's kind of talking like well if pogba's back like who do you like well how do you kind of fit him in that in somewhere but what i'm trying to get to is that it's a, such a long-term commitment because it took us two three years and loaning players out like like whatever the lingards Pereira's, mctominay they, yeah they, these guys had to get out and sort of really like work with them to now reap the benefits of that so yeah. um i think it's all about the, the club you play for but also the system and how it's also you it's also it's so contextual as well is that something that works now could have not worked last year or exactly before. Yeah. it depends on same thing McTominay if Pogba was playing well you wouldn't see McTominay the fit, yeah. would, exactly and now you're getting the kind of the fruits of that but equally you know I like McTominay he's, he's doing well is he good enough or or should he really be the main midfielder that Man United has and uses week in week out no like yeah. you've got Paul Pogba who make no mistake is an unbelievable world-class midfielder it's just that 
at the moment and for the last year or so it's just not worked out because of whatever because of you know behind the scenes relations because of you know his, I don't know family issues or anything like that and uh, relationships with the fans as well um so you know he when he's on top form as you've seen with France like France he's just he's, yeah, he's one of the best players and and equally when he was at Juve and at times for Man United, he's been incredible. Yeah, so I mean, when Solskjaer just got appointed, he was on fire. Yeah, so you have things like that where if he kept on his form, which everyone knows he can do, and that he just hasn't really lived up to at the moment, then McTominay wouldn't have had a shout, and then you know uh, it would it would be totally different. So it is a, it's a lot to do with obviously the philosophy of the manager. You've got the board. You've got you know the fan base has a say in it as well. Um, equally how good the players are but it's so much of it is to do with opportunity and, and luck to be honest Where's, what's your take on Pogba do you think he's in a stay or a go or uh, I think he'll go in January or in, in the summer if not January then definitely a summer I think this is definitely his last year for sure I, I, I'm, see, I'm almost 100 I, everyone knows he's not happy that he's he is professional enough not to while out on social and do mad things on I don't know do an interview where he's like oh, I hate this club and but I want to leave tell. and all that sort of stuff but you can t- yeah. like, you can just tell man like yeah. these players are human and that uh, they're not as a lot of people think they're not robots and and so you just watch them you either watch them play or you watch them in the end it's just like stuff's not right and you can tell and equally you know you can tell by managers and what Ollie said and all that sort of stuff like they're not no one's just li- I think it's the, the 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 era of just lying the whole time and pretending everything's okay it's sort of coming to an end, well, hopefully, where I think now everyone's like, look, he's not 100% in shape and he's not 100% happy. What that means, we don't know, but equally, anything can happen sort of thing. It's not like everyone's going to just pretend it's all okay and carry on. For the moment, he's a Man United player and he's professional enough and he's training and he's is he trying to get back to full fitness and all that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't con- like question his his professionalism, but it's just more his state of mind and, and how happy he is with his career. Because ultimately, this is like... Players have just got to look after themselves, really. You know, it's, yeah. it's their career. It's their and to just just to go back on uh, last thing about Jaka, but yes, like, uh, uh, like he made that uh, message uh, mm. yesterday, and mm-hmm. he and he said like I've gotten comments saying like about my wife, yeah, horrible like, stuff. It's man. terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't know why people would do that. Um, but at the same time, <coughs> like like you have to you have to know that like. You you can criticize them, but no, to an yeah. extent. So, so this is okay. They're so, humans. Yeah, yeah, of course. So this is the this is the thing I've been, I've been saying. I think a lot of everyone deep down in their heart of hearts knows this. Everyone knows you can't look with a player. Everyone knows that they are humans. Okay, they're very privileged. They get paid a lot of money. You pay money to watch them play. Okay, so of course the whole idea of you being a fan. Yes, you're allowed to criticize. You're allowed to cheer. Like the whole idea of you being a fan, for the most part, is you obviously need to support your team. Supporting means cheering. It means standing by your team, standing by your players. Even the stuff's not going right. Of course, you're allowed to criticize. There's no. Yeah, you're allowed to. Okay, fine. You can boo or you can jeer or at half time you're one nil down. Yeah, boo and fu- that's fine. But for this, I think, as I said before, it's been so prolonged. Shaka's known this has been previous episodes, and then it was so kind of concentrated into this one moment where Arsenal fans were given a window of opportunity to really, really show their their dissatisfaction with not only Shaka but Emery but it was just all focused on Shaka and the fact that yeah they've been saying stuff about his family and all that sort of stuff which is ridiculous and I think he knows everyone knows that this is not the whole fan base and it's just a very kind of I say small part of the club but like it's it's a 
minority on the whole kind of like global fan base of Arsenal. Equally, at the stadium, I was there like it was a lot of people. It was at least, at least, I guess, I don't know how loud it was, but like 20, 30,000 for me anyway. Like it was a pretty full game. I'd say it was like 50,000, 55,000. I'd say, uh, yeah, half, About half, half booed. Yeah. Or sorry, it wasn't booed, it was cheered. So when his name got oh, yeah, called, w- w- was it? I, so I didn't people are skewing. No, so so people are skewing a lot of the a lot of the events, like especially the fans that did that at the time. They sort of went back on it and and twisted it to make it seem like Shaka reacted first, or that Shaka kind of made those things first. So basically, what happened is, so it was two two, was yeah. it two two one one two two? Yeah, yeah so it's two two. Uh, and then literally three minutes later, boom, the board goes up. Shaka, his number was out. And then I think it was Saka. Saka that came on, right? So that, in effect, was fine. Tactically makes sense. Bring on so... Like, I actually didn't score. think... I actually, I actually think Shaka was playing all right. Like, he wasn't playing awfully. He was actually yeah. having one of his better games. He definitely wasn't our worst midfielder because that was Danny Sabah. So I didn't think he was playing well at all. He's, and he, his life he's peaked been, at Burnley. Well, <laughs> it's just, it's very up and down at the moment. But um, so his, his number got obviously read out and people cheered. Now, that's fine. Like, if you're, you're cheering the substitution because, yeah, okay, Saka's coming on, but everyone knows it wasn't that. Yeah. It could have, anyone could have been coming on for Shaka at that time. It was the fact that it was Shaka's number that was called out. So then everyone cheered. Bearing in mind, this guy is Arsenal Football Club captain. He's been named captain by the players and like everyone at the club is, has agreed. The only people who don't really want him to be captain are the fans or a lot of the fans. So just imagine, and I know this is the same thing I said as well, like you're allowed to criticise, but when you are so pointedly like personal and to the point of it being disrespectful and like not just that like humiliating in front of that many people that's when you draw the line that's not allowed so that must be obviously a massively like gut-wrenching thing to go through as a as a as a player your this is your club that he like make no mistake he loves the club and they went like well they cheered and then he obviously reacts because he's so distraught at the fact that yeah, why they're cheering my substitution, this is awful. So he's walking off, and then because he starts walking off, because he's upset. So it's not like he'd hear it and be like, Thanks guys, I'm just gonna run off now. Like he's upset, he's walking off head down. Mm. Because we're obviously in the search of a of a of, of a winner with half an hour to go, everyone then those cheers literally just switch all of a sudden to jeers and boos because he's not running off and he's still at basically by this point at the halfway line yeah. like by the like center circle so which is obviously another horrible go, thing isn't he supposed to go the other side well yeah i know but it was like it was like, it was so like close to the middle uh, anyway it doesn't really matter no one's like, done that by the way <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. but then they then obviously start jeering and at this point like i we're all watching this like me and my mates and stuff and we like feel like i feel so bad to the point of like i just feel like sick Watching this person just like a large portion of the like stadium hounding this, just g- take this guy. It, yeah. And then that's when he goes, Yeah, come on then. Because of it, like how you can't, it, it takes such a strong minded person, or sort of just like a, I don't know, like even he does, you'd have to not care 
to not react. Like he cares so much that of course he has to react. Like this is a very emotional moment. So that's when he's like, okay, yeah, bring it on. Or whatever he meant by kind of waving his hands up and down. Right. That obviously angered the fans more. Then that's when he said F off. Yeah. And then took his shirt off. He didn't throw the shirt, but he took he his took shirt off. And then just, yeah, too. took off his armband, give it to Abamyang. Abamyang looked around as well. He looked destroyed, if you hadn't seen as well. Like he looked so oh, upset. I didn't see that. And then walked straight down the tunnel, took a shirt off. Okay, not ideal. And all the fans hated it. But so, which basically brings me to this is that you've basically disrespected your captain. So a lot of the people were like, he's captain, he should act better than that. It's like, well, equally, as a fan, if he is your captain, before that, he didn't do anything to merit that, apart from the two, three years that you don't like him. Like, for, on that day, if he played awfully and kicked the ball in his own net and stuff, then, yeah, okay, yeah, you could you would boo him, I guess. Mm. But the, he, he did no wrong, really, for you to actually, for him to deserve that. Well, no one deserved that anyway. But you've basically just disrespected him, your club captain, the same club captain that you want to respect you. But you can't just do that. You can't dish that out. Yeah. And then expect him to be like, yeah, take it. Like you're literally humiliating this yeah. person on the pitch. You're treating your own captain like dirt and expecting him to take it and not react. Yeah. It's just very unrealistic and it's hypocritical. That's the only thing. Like, okay, as I said, fans can always, you can always cheer, you can always boo, that sort of thing. But when it's so pointed and it's so personal and then you get offended at someone disrespecting you back. It, it For me, it literally makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, that's... It's all just very... It's very murky, and it sort of just all plays into the, the ill feeling around the club anyway, and I feel like that's... As I said, this is a very like, pointed example of a wider dissatisfaction with the club, um, and it's just that Shaka is a very easy target, and it was uh, the, the the kind of moment presented itself. And I think for United, it's with the young as well. I mean, for us, it's it's very... I mean, and nothing's happened yet. We're a case, but at the same sense, I mean, I know a lot of my friends and people that I talked about United, we target young almost every week. It's playing. exactly the same. Because, I, I mean... I feel like they just put out, like, a lot of fans want Emery out. And I feel like they didn't... They couldn't put that hatred on Emery during that game. Well, well, so because they also like, toward, they uh, did that towards Jaka. Well, yeah, because there's no opportunity there to, unless you all start singing Emery out, which I think not one would happen. do. Yeah. There, there is no, like a substitution where your name, or sorry, your na- not your name, but your number is called out and then your name is read out over the tunnel is, is as clear an opportunity as it, as possible during a game to focus abuse on someone. Yeah. So that's what they basically did. And as you said, like that's to do with like same thing as, uh, with Man United and Young. Like Young, I feel like is it the same sort of, is in the same situation as Shaka where he is a victim of circumstance within the club. Like as in, it's not his fault. He's not good enough to play in that position. He, he's not but a he gets play, yeah, but he, he gets played. He's not a No, but he gets played in that position. He gets, yeah. played, he gets played there, but he doesn't complain. It's not like Ashley Young is coming out every week and is like, well, yeah, fine, I'll play there, but I really want to play right wing. Like, no, well, don't get me wrong. Enough that I'm, in a way, I'm trying to like defend... But yeah, yeah, no, in the same way that I'm doing that with Shaka. Is yeah. that Shaka has at no time said, you know what, this week... Basically, what the Arsenal fans want is him to be a different player. That's, yeah. all, he, all, that's all they really want. It's just because he's not good enough. But they can't, they can't separate the fact that he's not good enough as a player. And then like it, somehow this is sort of gone into him being a bad person which which makes no sense so the only way that this will be resolved is one if he if he doesn't play or two he becomes a totally different midfielder so two isn't going to happen 
because you can't just suddenly become a, a box-to-box explosive midfielder with loads of goals and unbelievable in the air and can tackle. Yeah. Number one isn't really going to happen because, to be honest, he's one of our best midfielders in that position. But it's just that the fact that that is not good enough for us, that's not his fault. Emery's going to pick him every week. Well, I don't know about now just because yeah, of the captaincy he, and stuff like that. But he like, actually just got announced that he won't be in the squad. Okay, yeah. So Emery has been choosing him for the last two years pretty consistently in the Premier League. If he's fit, he plays as the main man at the base of our midfield. The fact that he is not basically good enough for what the Arsenal fans want is not his fault. Yeah. Like what they expect him to basically turn back to Emery is like, by the way, the fans don't think I'm good enough. So uh, is it right if I don't play this week? <laughs> like, How ridiculous would that be? Because then mm. you'd be like, well, that's definitely not the mentality of a of the captain. captain yeah. Whereas the captain is like, look, okay, some people don't think I'm good enough. I'm going to try my hardest to, to prove them wrong and I'm going to play every week and he doesn't hide away. The fact that he isn't possibly good enough, that's just not really thought. That's that's his footballing ability. There's nothing on his detri- There's nothing on his character. There's nothing on his, you know, so Arsenal fans, I think they're just a little bit short-sighted and, and I think they got overly emotional. I mean, it's a very emotional fan base. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just maybe not quite seeing both sides of the story. It's, it's naturally, you know, if you're, very emotional on this one side, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to totally empathise with what he's going through because you're so... Arsenal fans want... Obviously, Arsenal fans want Arsenal to do well, but they sort of lose the fact, lose sight of the fact that pretty much Shaka wants to do as well as you do. Like, you yeah. know, it's not like he's playing, turning around and trying to kick the ball in his own net because he doesn't want Arsenal to win as much as you. Like, no, don't be silly. Like, of course Shaka wants to win. Like, he's captain of Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. He wants to do as best as possible. It's just the fact that his best as possible isn't what Arsenal want. What we want. Exactly. Know. So that's it really. Or like at least what some people want. Exactly, yeah. So some people, as I said, this is not, you know, the majority, but um yeah, we can obviously go on all about this. But yeah, uh, yeah no, yeah. that's basically how I feel kind of in a semi ranty twenty minutes or however <laughs> long that was. I apologize. <laughs> but um no, yeah, obviously that, really. and now obviously he's not um gonna be in the squad I didn't know tomorrow. That. Yeah, he got uh, today he said uh, Emery had a press. But he's conference. probably not in the right mental space for that so yeah uh, you know, uh, I don't think, I don't think even the fans though I mean I, I, I think well it yeah it, well, if the fans don't go as well that'd be great yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's um, away though no no it's, no, it's a home oh, it's, it's a home, home. to home uh, to Wolves uh, but yeah and but there's yeah. also like we can go on another 20 minutes about of Ozil <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal's Arsenal in it leave it, for, leave it for all the blogs and all yeah. the podcasts so let me, out there let me, so. let me uh, turn it this way where oh. do you think Arsenal will finish uh I think it would be obviously Liverpool City top two. I actually think City are gonna win, weirdly. Oh I thought you think that, I thought yeah, no, I thought Liverpool but it's next week. It's next week. Next week, it's next Liverpool, week yeah. so it'll be really close. It'll be really, really close because yeah. they're, it's they're obviously two just two incredible teams. Yeah. But uh third I think will probably be I don't see anyone going past. I see Leicester. I see, so I uh, I do think Chelsea it'll be Chelsea and Leicester. But Chelsea third. It, but as as a top, I think top five battling it out, it will be basically it'll be Chelsea, Leicester, and Arsenal for for those two places. And I literally I can't say I'll, I'll probably put us bottom of the pile as much as I'd love us to finish third because I think it's there for us. The opportunity is there for us. Like the last two years has been horribly blatant how open that third spot yeah. is. And no yeah. one has seemed to take it. It's just sort of you taking it by. It's like, oh, we we finished third. Okay, I mean, cool. that was just such a bad end to the season for all, for all those teams that were going for those two spots with Tottenham, yeah, us, Chelsea, and United. Mm. And like, like one weekend or one game week, 
every team would lose in that spot or all like it would never like it's there for the taking and yeah, we just never exactly, got yeah, those we points. Never, but then that's you know that's it's a lot of things it's, it's players it's tactics it's, yeah. it's a lot of stuff I think it's also how you guys do in Europa League because I know that for us when we were finishing 5th 6th the year we won it we just kind of took a pause on the league and just yeah, basically exactly. well, you, when it, you're in the quarter always, semis you kind of just put your hands up there's always them. that crossroads you get to you know if, if by February, March you're in a good space in the league then obviously yeah. you're going to prioritise the league equally when if you're not quite good enough or you kind of you're doubting your chances then uh, then goal in on Europa now who do you think has been in the Premier League this so far this season been underachieving and overachieving overachieving I mean, Sheffield have, <laughs> are doing quite yeah, well yeah. uh Look, underachieving, I think, obviously Spurs. Same thing. So, underachieving, Spurs massively. Arsenal, Everton. quite a lot. Everton, yeah. I've with the with Everton's the money that they've spent, one, I yeah, think. As in, I don't know, Marco Silva. I, there are like glimpses that he'll turn it around and equally there are times when just Everton look absolutely horrific. So, uh, yeah, I'd say underachieving Spurs for the most part because they're still a really good team. It's just that... The, obviously morale's down and it's sort of like sucker punch after sucker punch but equally if, if you know Spurs played Arsenal tomorrow I'd probably back them to win just because they are, they are they've proven it over the last three years like literally that they are a better they've side finished that, above us, yeah. that they're a very well drawn team but at the moment obviously injuries Delhi's not playing as well as he can uh, Ericsson's not happy that sort of thing is just like, you know the 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 consequences of having like a tighter transfer budget and moving stadium and, and all that sort of stuff is sort of I feel happening like at the moment, but I feel like um, that's always yeah. happened with teams that move stadiums. Like it happened with. It's just not hard. Uh, sorry, not easy. It's like it happened with Arsenal when we moved to Emirates. It happened with uh, West Ham when they went to the mm-hmm. Olympic Stadium, and now with Tottenham. And I mean, you saw that last season when they literally spent no money. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was easy, everyone would do it. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's like everyone, everyone wants to change state. Everyone wants to, you know. Yeah. Add I another twenty thousand. I mean, it's a bit of a bold statement, but I think Spurs are in a bit of a, given how much money they haven't spent mm. in the last couple of seasons, I feel like they're in a place that they can start losing a couple of key, like they're going to start losing players that mm. want to finish higher in the they league, want to yeah. win titles. I, you I mean, mean, look at Ericsson, Delhi, who's just not performing. You look at Kane, there's been yeah. talks about him with going to United Madrid. There's always that sort yeah, of like speculation. I, I, I can't see, I can't see Kane at United. Uh, sorry, it's not United. Sorry, I can't see Kane at Madrid. Yeah. I, you know, him speaking Spanish. No, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of presume that the, the, the the natural move would be Oli out and then it would be Poch in with, with Kane and he'd bring Kane. That's that's what before, oh, I mean, since the last two weeks, if it wasn't for the last two, three weeks, I, I was thinking basically Oli would be gone by Jan and then Poch would go pretty much. But I'm not so, not quite sure anymore anyway. Yeah, I mean, I've... All, I've I just hate talking about them. So. I, I, <laughs> no, I, lo- I love Oli. This, uh, this, everything aside... This he is stuck by him... From the beginning, yeah, yeah everyone um, knows he's just not good enough, which is fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like, think he's just—he's—it's—it's it's, it's not that he's bad. It's just that I understand why he's there. He like but knows can't, the club. Yeah. So let me let me ask average. this then, because people, people can't separate the fact that like, people can be not good and they can't—they can be not bad, but they just can be not good enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a big middle area. Don't turn around as if you're like what <laughs> the t- the turn the tables just turned a massive amount. Let me ask this question then. Why? And I've I've gone into so. I mean, at the same way that you guys forty minutes of Premier League chat. Bloody <laughs> hell! <laughs> uh, the same way that you uh, you guys kind of think and talk about Arsenal. Mm. Why is it then? Um, 
and I'm just curious what you're saying, uh, what you say. The whatever the 15 of the 17 games that United won back to back to back yeah. with only two losses, one draw, and whatever it was like the PSU, whoever. How? What's your explanation for the minute that Ole signs? Everything just well because I think falls apart. Uh, so everyone knows there's that obviously that honeymoon that well known yeah, honeymoon yeah, yeah. period, and I think that is a thing. Like it's not just people say it and it, and it happens sometimes and then other but exactly like, that more. I mean, but, like because that was the weird thing for me. Equally, like it, it, the feel, the the feel good factor around the club was so strong when there was no pressure, but the fact that there was. Obviously, when Mourinho leaves anywhere, there's obviously a big power power vacuum, and it's like yeah. the the fact that no one had stepped in to assume that position formally or yeah, formally or or officially. Officially, yeah. It sort of means that you know there is same thing as like with the Lampard thing. Like, there's no pressure there. It's the fact that it, someone's come in who knows the club well, who can do a job mm-hmm. by just being someone who knows the club. It's like. It's not like everyone was expecting Oli to come in with loads of mad tactics and he's like, oh, you know what? He knows the team so well. He knows how to get the best out of Pogba. No, it's just someone there too who's a relatively nice person or, or I guess objectively a nicer person than Mourinho <laughs> yeah. and who gets along with the players who probably goes in there and he's like, look, j- just teach you the basics. He's like, I'm just going to go back to, you know, let's let's make sure we're fit. Let's make sure we're well drilled. You guys know how to play. You know how you play. But it's that sort of thing. That's how I, I guess, presume... He would have come in sort of slightly ignorantly and just been saying, I actually don't know all of you inside out, so I'm just going to sort of trust you. And the onus is on you, the players, to rally together and, and, and pick up the form. And I think that's as soon as they started winning, it is this machine that, that just keeps building solely on confidence. I think that's a massive thing. Like yeah. confidence in the same thing. Like it's... Uh, I think Klopp said a quite a similar thing about the, the mentality of his players compared to them being unbelievably well drilled. Well, obviously there, there is method to his like madness on the pitch. Like it's not like they're all just there running about like headless chickens and they happen to win all the time. It's there's obviously a lot of tactics and a strategy at play, but his thing is that he's what he is so good at and why he's got so much out of, I guess you could claim technically less gifted players is that, he instills such a strong mentality and strong like self belief in his players and his individuals and then collectively as a team that is really powerful and that that's what happened with I mean that, I guess that was basically exaggerated with with Oligon Social. It was like uh, the stars aligned and it was not just a honeymoon period of, of two weeks or three weeks. It was quite a while, so much so that he got the job. And that that's the only real way I can sort of explain it. I can't I w I wouldn't claim to know all of Ollie's tactics and, and yeah. or even think that he's a you know he's a tactical genius or anything like that. It's just that he was very good at letting people believe their own hype and, and he yeah. was kind of a facilitator of form rather than the main reason, you know. And then since then obviously he's poo and yeah, uh, <laughs> he's not actually great. But just he's doing all right at the fire. moment. No, but he's doing all right at the moment, so I'll give him that. All right. Um we could literally go on for another mm. another two hours about, <laughs> yeah, about Premier League's boring. Premier League, yeah. Premier League's boring. So um, before we get into obviously some of the stuff you're doing um, mm. on your own, we had a couple questions just uh, with some of your past experiences with Copenhagen. Yes, uh, You've done the whole Timsey versus the world and all that that whole series. Yeah. What? Who was the most 
skillful player that you sort of in, uh, played with or just witnessed? Uh, the most skillful player I've witnessed. And just for the sake of anyone listening. Like with your challenges. The, 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 okay, so, so with the challenges, I'd probably say the, the, the most impressive player was um, Thomas Lamar. I know that's a weird one because obviously there's been Iron Robin and Pjanic and all that sort of stuff, but equally like Pjanic didn't play. Robin, he had the wrong size boots on and whatever. And fair <laughs> play, he kind of got on with it. But in terms of actually like playing with people and us kind, kind of going to and fro and, yeah. and the players actually playing a full part, he was the most like technically gifted or had like the, the sweetest left foot. Actually, no, both feet, that's why. Both feet, he just, the way he hit the ball and stuff was just... So your, your answer is uh, Robin? No, 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 no Lamar. Thomas Lamar. Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. Lamar, Lamar. So, so Thomas Lamar, so this is when he was still at, um, was it Monaco? No. Uh, no, uh, he, I think it's when he just joined Atletico. Yeah, no, it was, no, so it was, it was, it was Monaco. Oh, really? Yeah, he was still at Monaco. Oh, okay. So, uh, but we were playing in Nice's stadium, weirdly. Oh. Anyway. Um, that was when we were still he, linked with him. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh and yeah, basically he, yeah, the, 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 the drills he did and how he hit the ball was just like incredible. Every time he hit the ball and it was literally top corner, I just couldn't believe it. Just because I've been on so many of those shoots and players, you know, they, they, they try, especially when you start playing football, when you're, when you're like, okay, we're actually going to play football. When they get over the kind of, I can't be asked <laughs> moment that they all have, which is fine. Like you yeah. get it. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, fine. And then naturally, the you know the professional footballers they they care and they're competitive. Yeah. Apart from a few like a few occasions, like th- they'll take it relatively seriously and want to do as well as possible. And he was kind of the most consistent and, and impressive player. Um, yeah, just on on the day. Obviously, he's, I mean, he's not lit the world of light at Atletico, and I've played with better players, but he was the most kind of impressive in like being there, you know, in person. And then um, and a lovely guy as well. Yeah, and then I guess as a side question, mm. um, just as I've noticed as well, like looking at the videos that you've done, where and how did you learn to speak? Oh, languages, languages. Yeah, and that was. I mean, it's sort of a boring answer. It's at school, but but <laughs> but, but, but like not, no but one like, really. But no, me, but, but I don't. I, pay, I don't keep Spanish. Me. Like I, no. I okay, forget. so yeah, it's so so you speak. Obviously English, so French, English, French. So French and Spanish fluently, and then Portuguese. I kind of speak like conversationally. It's it's really rough now though because I haven't done it enough. And every time I go, I only kind of speak. It's like I, I can maintain a conversation, but it's not. If I had to do a proper interview in Portuguese, right. I'd I'd struggle compared to like Francis, French and Spanish is is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's sort of a boring answer. But just learning it at school, it was weird. Like every, everyone thinks it's really impressive, and it's just not uh, because it i mean look it's great and it i think i think it's one of the best ways of 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 getting along with people and kind of finding out more about a culture than just going there and being there and and trying to chat to people in kind of like pidgin language and speaking in broken english in their accent to try and get something out <laughs> of them like it's such a there, there's no quicker way of like opening uh, opening people's like hearts to you and sort of like getting past that first kind of cold barrier that you get and and then it just like you see their eyes light up and it's like boom you can actually chat now but um so it's unbelievably useful but i wouldn't say impressive it's just like basically i started learning it at school because ever since i was a kid my dad is like f- obsessed with france for some reason he same stu- with mine he studied, yeah i don't know why like he 
when he was at uni, he went to the same uni as me. Well, I went to the same uni as him, I guess. Um, he studied Russian. So he was always, inter- always interested in, and then did English. He was an English teacher and all that sort of stuff. So he loved language. And it's a cool thing. Like Language is like an, an amazing thing. It's really cool and interesting. Or maybe, you know, for me, anyway, it's weird. But we always went to holiday in France. So every Easter, every summer, whatever, we'd just go there somewhere, camping for a little bit. Uh, literally since we were two, three, four, five years old. Whatever. Oh, that's like really me, cool. Me and my three siblings, we'd always go with our parents. So we got used to, like all of us got used to just the sounds. It wasn't even like, we were learning French without even learning French. We were just like learning yeah, how to say, mm. can I have some chips, please? And it's just like, even then getting used to the, the inflections and getting used to the, the different shapes that you're, like, especially when you're that young, you're basically a sponge. Yeah. And it's not like we were fluent in French, but you were just used to it. So then when we started doing like me and my brother, and I think my big sister used to take like French lessons after school for like an hour once every month. Was like, like literally at primary school. Primary school is by the way, I guess it's elementary school. But it's like when uh, you're yeah, a real kid, yeah, when you're yeah, like yeah, seven. Yeah. And then when it came along, when and I went to like secondary, secondary school. So yeah, secondary school. I got so you it. Know, I got which it. I think is high school, right? So it's when you're 12 and onwards or like 11 and onwards or something. <sighs> it's like middle school to, and to right okay, before so university. Yeah, middle, okay, yeah. So basically from 12 to 18 when you're at got secondary it. school and got then it. like we call college, but it's basically your high school. Like I, I did French and Spanish. So I, so I started properly learning at school French when I was like 10 and then Spanish at 12 and then just continued the through. I was rubbish at maths. I was rubbish at, wasn't rubbish at maths. Um, but like, <laughs> and I'm, they call it maths. We yeah, call maths. It maths. maths. Well, it's, ma- it's mathematics, isn't it? Math. Yeah, we just call it math. Just yeah, take the S out. Which is bad. It's <laughs> not right. It's <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. So, I, but I, I wasn't the best at maths and I wasn't the best at science and I wasn't the best at geography and whatever it is, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, language was, was a easier thing. You just for got me it. To, yeah, exactly. And, and, cool. and it's not a, it's not a, kind of a natural thing of, of, you know, everyone says like na- nature versus nurture. And yeah, I mean look, like, it's like, look, everyone, when you're a kid, you are literally a smart, you can learn anything, yeah, you can learn yeah, any yeah. language. You don't, you're not born American, you're not born English, you're not born, I'm really good at speaking this language. So my phone's ringing. It's my sister, I probably hear it is. <laughs> um, sorry, I'll just, let her, I'm sure she's fine. But like, I'll <laughs> just, if not, it's all your fault. I'll just continue it. <laughs> but like, I mean, I've, I've been taking French in school since I was like 10 and I'm still learning it in school. But like I'm not fluent. I like I can I can hold a conversation for like a minute and yeah. then I'm done. But then it's 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 how much you do, how much you practice, how much you learn, how 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 well you're taught as well. Like teaching is is massively important. Yeah. Like if you, if you not just if you focus in lessons, but equally if your teachers like I I luckily had really good teachers that taught in different ways. Some of them were very like regimented, and I had a Spanish teacher who just drilled verbs into me, just like this conjugation, this conjugation, whatever. And then I had another Spanish teacher who was very who was Spanish, who was very kind of emotional and he was like lots of chatting and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So, and then basically carried that through to university. And then obviously when you're at uni, I did French and Hispanic. So then spent my year abroad, which is like your third year, you always go abroad right. somewhere, yeah. especially in Europe. It's like, I don't know if you had the Erasmus, but it's like the a European kind of like, it's like a funded year abroad. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my friends are from like, they, yeah, I, I met a lot of Americans on, on my, they're year in Florence right now. Okay. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you get funding, you get help, you get placements, all that sort of stuff. So I spent nine months teaching English in a French school uh, in 2012, that would have been, and there, or 2013. And then uh, I spent like two or three months after that. I spent two months in Spain. Sick. Neil Bilbao, that's so, like cool. so that's why. And then it's just been, I can honestly say like, that's that's why I've been able to do what I do. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's been no other reason. Like, you know, I've 
I've worked hard like everyone else. I'm like okay at football, good enough for everyone else. Like, but it's been my languages that have basically like given me the opportunity to when something's come along that no one else can do that. So yeah. boom, suddenly I can do that, and then that sort of that's, that's awesome. how it kind of started. Yeah. So we're going to start a foreign language podcast, and yeah, then exactly. you'll come on every week and just spit up a different language, and then yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll work out the budget, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll fly you every every week. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just to before we, just really fifty minutes. Uh, let's you can cut out twenty five minutes of that f- foot. Like, I'll cut out all the chat. Arsenal part. Don't yeah, worry. Exactly. I edit. I edit it anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, JK, not JK. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the, for the last topic. Just uh, what's going on with YouTube? Mm. YouTube, uh, blogging, YouTube, copper. Everything. I mean, all your all yeah. your YouTube stuff. Like yeah. All your you your, your, your personal stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I so I left Copper. Uh, what is it? Month, Couple months. Month now? ago. No. No. Month. Month ago. Yeah. About a month ago. Three months. Three, yeah. three. Three weeks. A month ago. Something like that. Um. So yeah. Just because. Same thing. Like, I I just got lots of opportunities from elsewhere, and it's like not even just competitors, but it's just like just got loads of offers to do loads of stuff that I want to do more of. And then, you know, being full-time somewhere, just you're just not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, even though the like, couple were amazing with letting me do things when I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just so much. It just got to the point where I was so busy at Copper and I was doing so much. And I had a lot of responsibility when it came to presenting and doing that sort of stuff where I just felt it was a bit too much. And it just like, it got to me a little bit, um, so I just felt like it, it was best for, for me personally and just that I could basically just go freelance and then be able to work with whoever I wanted. But the main thing was just giving myself like, like just making myself be able to manage my own time better just because when I was at cover, I was, I was doing so much and that it was very full on that naturally I'm just going to have, I basically just, you know, my mentality is like, obviously I work hard that I just want to, I'll just do it until it's done. But you know that, especially when you're traveling everywhere all the time and presenting yourself, it's just, it's just very full on. And I, there was only so long, you know, I've been doing that for, for years, um, like long hours and stuff. I mean, it's not like I've worked any harder than anyone else, but it's just the fact that like the traveling with the, the effort that I put in and all that sort of stuff, that responsibility sort of got to me. So it's just like taking a step back and just making myself like basically putting myself in a position where I can manage my own time better. So that's when I did start my own YouTube and um, yeah, just being able to freelance and do stuff for, for for brands and do more kind of freelance gigs and stuff. So I'm enjoying it at the moment. It's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. And but yeah, YouTube's fun. It's no, cool. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like what, what can we expect? Because like I, I saw like on your, I think it was on your Twitter, like mm. you, you like... Uh, what do you guys want me to do? Like, was yeah. it like podcasting or mm. like uh, challenges, FIFA? Uh, I don't know at the moment. Like, I you've got options. Yeah, I've got options. Well, I mean, the the main reason for me going freelance was like I I I obviously love presenting, and uh, you guys call it hosting. We I found yeah. out yeah. this week basically, <laughs> but like yeah, so like hosting, but yeah, just like being on camera, presenting, chatting to people, you know, telling stories basically, and 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 that sort of thing. Um, that's what I really like doing. And I know that that is where my kind of, most of my value is. My my value isn't like, everyone says like being an influencer or, or like being a YouTuber and stuff. It's like my YouTube's pretty small and not many people watch it. I mean, a few people watch it, but like 
it's not a popping thing and like my Instagram isn't as big as other people's Instagram and stuff. So it's like, I know, I know where my value is more than where my value isn't. Um, so I know that that's, you know, where I'm more in demand. So I like the fact that, you know, I, I'm passionate about doing that sort of stuff on camera. And then YouTube for me is just because I really like making films and, um, the art of like filmmaking as, as corny as that sounds like the art of it is what I really like. Like the editing yeah, I mean, is you're, amazing you're just, and stuff. Yeah, you're going to upload one for, yeah, I did. Yeah. If, if I get the edit done in time, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to make like two films when I'm out here just cause you know, about both, both about the marathon, but kind of like both about the marathon, sorry, but one pre and one post, but yeah, that sort of stuff. And like getting into the, the edit of it, um, and obviously like people like Casey Neistat and those sorts of people where they, they've made it into a, like an art form and you've, you've, you see how much it sort of, how much it kind of satisfaction it gives them is what that it gives me. Like, you know, even when I was doing stuff at Copper with Poet and Vooj and all that stuff and like making, helping make films and like being in the edit and telling people, well not telling people, but like having a say over the look and the feel and the final edit and how it yeah. looks and different angles and all that sort of stuff is like, it's because obviously when you film you you just film something happening but that's not the story the story is when you're in the edit and you cut together a film you can there's one set of events that you film you can make depending on what it is anyway you can make four or five totally different stories from it and that's what i love is like making the story that you want to tell um depending on and it's, it's all dependent on how you edit and and your kind of look and feel and, and your touch that you can put on that so that's the, the the more filmmakery side of it, which I really like about YouTube. I mean, probably like for the most part, like all the videos I put on my YouTube are just like standard me talking to camera. Um, but this one, I want to actually like start doing more, especially when I'm traveling. I'm traveling a lot over the next like month and a half. Um, so making actual films and like telling stories and that sort of stuff. And I just like, you know, the the the, the filmmaking process is, is quite satisfying for me so. and that's like kind of like how we do this podcast yeah it's like a, it's a side fun. gig but it's your pr- it's a passion yeah. project isn't it it's like um yeah just making sure everyone knows like what they are what their primary kind of pastime is or or you know after school or after college or whatever like what your what your job is what you get paid for you know for for some people like i'm lucky enough that that what i get paid for is what i really love doing yeah but what i've like especially love doing is obviously filmmaking i know i'm not getting money off youtube i'm not you know i bought my own camera and doing all these sorts of things like i'm not getting money from i'm not being paid for this it's not my job but because i love doing it i'm gonna do it as much as i can but i know that i'm gonna have to get paid somewhere so it's just i'm really lucky that what i get paid for i also really love doing um but other people aren't you know in that lucky position where you have to do maybe a slightly more normal job or a, a more officey job or whatever but if there's something you really like doing, then you should obviously just do it or do what you can to be able to do it more. Um, it's not like a case of everyone just drop everything, do what you love. It's like, yeah, obviously that is, at the, in the end, yeah, that's what everyone should do. It's like, you should always strive to do what you really like doing, but you know, we've got to live in reality as well. That it's not like you just drop everything, expect everything to happen overnight. And For it's sure. like, yeah. I can never present ever, ever again. I could just do YouTube forever. It's like, I, my YouTube might not be a success, and but because I love filmmaking, it will be all right. It's like, no, I mean, I love filmmaking, but equally I need to balance kind of reality with what I really like doing. And I think like it's more just a case of doing that and plugging away so then you can sort of tip the balance in your favor where you're doing 
less and less of what you need to do to get money and, and to put yourself in a position to do what you love. And then, yeah, doing more of what you love so much so that you can get paid for it. And then that can become your job. And then, you know, if, you, if you're getting paid for what you love to do, that's not a job. That's just your life. You know, so it's basically doing that. It's It's switching that balance between having a job, getting paid for it, and then doing more of what you actually love and getting money from that, you know. Yeah. That's the balance. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let it go to seven seconds. <laughs> oh, is it an hour? Is this, what, is this hour. what the po- it, You don't, never go over an hour? No, we well, do. No, no we, I'm joking. We do a couple of times. Uh, but. No, but thank you so much. Uh, it was. It's okay, man. Sorry I couldn't uh, spend more time here. No, I mean... Uh, We'll just email you next year, and then you'll come by again. Yeah, yeah. We'll do part we'll, two. We'll do it yearly. It's probably going to be the fifth year in a row. Here, so <laughs> no, but no, thank no, you so much. Here, so. Uh, we know you're super busy, but all the best uh, to you and the podcast. Uh, not the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the your YouTube. YouTube. You never know. I might start a podcast. Start so, I don't yeah. know. I've got a few plans. I don't know. We'll no, see. all the we'll best. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah. Uh, we'll. Uh, I'll catch you next episode. I guess. Yeah. I don't all know right. when this will come out, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.